Good evening, fellow listeners. Welcome to the Positively Entertaining Conversations. Show our discussions are real, our people are real. So come join us for some laughs and maybe some tears. Join our family on this magical rainbow ride. Please welcome my brother from another mother, my friend, my confidant, Guru Brando, and his curious guest. We just don't know, so it is time to sit back. And enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Positively Entertaining Conversations with me, your host, Guru Brando, and sometimes curious guest, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> Lady Elizabeth. <laughs> oh my god, okay. I don't so we, we were practicing this. <laughs> no, we weren't. Oh, you we just were wanted practicing me to say it. this. We were practicing this just a moment ago. And she still answered Elizabeth, and I want her to answer with her full entitlement, and she is not, so that's what you get. I kind of did. She didn't. All right, anywho's. so the kids are getting ready to go back to school. Thank goodness. I hear them out there getting ready to go swim right now. Mm-hmm. I am not going to miss the kids being home. I need to work, and I need to not be bothered. While I work. Sounds like a personal problem, right? I work from home. So, yeah, it's kind of a personal problem. I am hoping to find a location outside the home to have the shop. So, everybody better wish me luck. And if you know of any place where I can open up, let me know. And it needs to be cheap because, you know, I'm poor and cheap. Anywho's okay, so I want to talk to you about some personal stuff today. Are you cool with that? Sure. Okay, so I want to know how you how you decided you needed to change. What happened, or who were you, or what led up to you saying, "Oh, I really need some personal growth." I think it got to a point where I became stagnant so much that. I guess life became stale, and and it felt like a like just a dirty shirt I wanted to take off. I was like, I can't stand this anymore. I got to do something new. So, what is that though? You gave lots of examples, but I don't fully. I mean, I don't understand what you mean by any of that. That doesn't tell me at all. Who the you were the way I was living what? my life, you know, at the time, wasn't making me happy. Okay, there you go. So the way you were living your life was not making you happy. What in it were you not fulfilling? Because at, at the end of the day, that's what we do as human beings. We look at our life and we go, am I fulfilled? And I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was doing anything purposeful. Okay. And you meaningful. Know, the interesting thing that most people don't know is in order to feel fulfilled, you have to become fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you then began to interject yourself into the lives of others because before you were always off to the side you didn't participate a lot right but when you started participating and interjecting your opinions your thoughts your choices into everybody else around you you got a return i did and was that return surprising to you because you you lived your life so solitary for well, as long as I've known you, you know, you've been just really solitary and quiet, and now you're open and free. Um, you know, how is that for you now? What was that process? I think it was to even get that going. You know, basically, babe. <laughs> had to give myself permission. You know, you know, it's okay. You were it's about o- to make racket. No, it was this right here. It's okay, you know, I can I can live the life that I feel like I need to live. And I don't need anybody else's permission to do it. So what was that, if you can think of it, one or two, or, or the defining moment for you that said that shirt was too dirty, you couldn't wear it anymore, you were done with repeating the process? When was it time to try something different? Because you said on other podcasts that you realized 
you know, at some point you realize that the way you were doing things was not working. Mm -hmm. And so what was that realization that it's not working? Talk about hot seat, right? Yeah. I think a lot of it is, since most of the time I'm reserved, I, don't, I think about a lot of things, but I don't talk about a lot of things. And, um, you know, that's kind of a downer, especially if you're in a relationship with anybody, you know, and all you just think all the time. <laughs> yeah, because and when you're in a relationship with somebody... Like, why aren't you a mind reader? <laughs> it's a lot of fun up in here. Come hang out. We have cookies, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, that was one of the things that I needed to grow in, and that's directly related to communication. But is it really, though? Think about this. If it was directly related to communication, wouldn't you be able to find a medium to communicate? Oh, I can. I can write anything. I can write my thoughts as clear as day, but right. whenever it comes to speaking them, it's different. Okay, so then is it really communication that you lack is what I'm saying? No, no. It's, a, it's a communication skill. It is a communication skill within what, though? Verbal communication. Talking, right, and when you're talking... That is a whole different thing than writing, you know, because like I talk like hell. Most people can't understand me, but I can type out exactly what I need to say. I can type out a process. I can get technical. I can also at some point be descriptive if I have to, but it's very different than my style of talk, right? Spot my style of speech. So... What makes it so different that you don't feel capable of verbal communication, but you feel capable of any other communication? Um, verbal communication is difficult for me because all my thoughts are kind of like in a jumble. And then in, I lose my train of thought a lot because I go from one thought to the next. And it's kind of chaos. And when I write my thoughts out, you know, it comes out clear and lined up. And it makes sense. Okay. Now, if that were the case, would you also then be able to just read your written thoughts aloud? Yes, yes. Can you just read your written thoughts aloud? Well, not really. I suck at reading out loud, too, because <laughs> ah. I never talk, I never, and when I read, I read to myself. Okay, you just said, I suck reading aloud because I never talk. I don't protect my voice, I don't, you know, I just, and when I, when I read, I'm reading to myself. So would you say then that um, verbal communication is actually a social skill? Yes, yes. Okay, so that's where you're probably lacking a little bit, right? We've talked about how you weren't really socialized much. I've never had much for social skills. And why do you think that is? It's the social skills. <laughs> I don't know. I think when the years that it mattered, in my teenage high school years, um, I was such a shut-in, and I was so angry at everything. I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I only what, kept, like, three friends. What got, what got you to that place, though? I mean, like, if you're being honest with yourself, why did you get to the place of isolation? Because I, I couldn't be disappointed or judged by another person if there was another, never another person around me. Right, so you just simply didn't really like feedback. And you were one of those people that I remember... Well, I judged myself so harshly right. that I just assumed that that's what everybody thought. Yeah, but I remember you specifically being one of the first people that I ever heard, I hate people. And mm -hmm. it's like, the, that was the only thing that... I really just hated myself. Right, That, but I knew that. As soon as you said, I hate people, I knew it meant that you hated yourself. And then all of a sudden you went from being safe to unsafe. Because if you hate yourself and you hate people, by all accounts, you hate me. Right. And that's truly what that means. So if I look at another person who hates themselves, I know that they probably hate me also. And, and that's the truth of the matter. And so on any given day, I want to make sure that I am not a person that looks like I hate people. Because I don't ever want to look like I hate myself. Right. So when was the last time you can identify that you hated yourself? And it can be something that you've done. I hated myself when I broke my toe recently. When I broke my pipe. Oh. I was so freaking mad at myself. Yeah. Oh. And it was, it, it, yeah. But you learned a lesson to be careful, right? And it was so bizarre, too, because it's not like I dropped it. 
if something you fell olive oil. and then bounced on something else and then hit it. And it was like, but it was all because you hit the thing first. No, I closed the filing cabinet and that candle went down and that was it. Just a chain reaction from there. But you know, and then that, a broken heart at the end. <laughs> but that goes to show we're not really in control of anything, are we? No. Everything is fleeting that has anything to do with life right now. Do you ever think about that? Those deep moments, do you think about this life is only a tiny little drop in the bucket? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, now that we're in our 40s, you know, the I guess you could say that the, there's a, the end is getting near. <laughs> oh my God, my dad is out there like mowing at 80. I'm not so. saying it's over. I'm just um, saying that I'm closer now than I was yesterday. <laughs> yes, well, let's hope that we continue to get closer, uh, because if we don't, it means we're dead. But I've often thought, you know, it's like, I, I guess as a human, we want to think something, you know, take a personal belief into that there's going to be some magical place we're going to go to after, you know. But when you look at the, the reality of it, you know, us all being energy, and then everything really being energy and then energy just not really being created or destroyed but just changing yeah it makes me curious to see what that change is going to be yeah i don't want to i'm not how you get there though <laughs> some people don't realize that you know there's no beginning and end you know there's not there's just change there's no start there's no ending there's just constant change because we've always been here in one capacity or another yeah. And we will continue to be here after, you know, the world has long gone because we've always been, we've always existed. Um, Quentin and I had a little bit of a conversation this morning, um, well, not this morning, a little while ago, about that very thing on, you know, getting old. And I told him, look, in, in 20 years, are, are you picking at me? No, you had a, a thing on your shirt. Weirdo. In 20 years, we're going to be knocking on 70. Yeah. And so I asked him if he was ready for that. I said, you better hurry up and get married and get me some grandbabies because, you know, I got 20 years, you know. If if we're being real, because here's Dad at 80. He lived a much better life than I did. He never drank, never did drugs, never smoked, you know, pretty much never had fun. And um, And so here he is living the dream and here I am broke ass <laughs> you know so um, dad doesn't have to medicate I do uh, he's not on any medicine Beth nothing true story it's insane to be as old as he is and not even take an allergy pill or something right, but he does have allergies he does have aller hay fever Beth. <laughs> he has hay fever get it right so um, whenever you started to change Whenever you started experiencing some personal growth, do you feel like it was sort of a driving force to keep going to change more, or was it scary and you wanted to shut down? Um, it's always scary. Anytime you're growing, it's scary. It's never comfortable, and um, and I, I think it's kind of like when I quit smoking. I was like, well, I made it today. Let's see if I can go another day. And then that eventually became the standard. What do you think your biggest hang-up is right now? Mine is work balance. Um, well, aside from communication. Yeah, because you're working on communication, and it's yeah. really the socialization aspect. I think the other one is, is self-worth. Yeah. It doesn't take much for me to... to, to switch that dial to you know really not worth that much yeah that's that wonderful black and white thinking that we have whenever we judge ourselves yeah. so what do you still judge um because it's good to know what you're judging about me right so what do you still judge do you judge my balding hair oh no i got my hairs cut this morning but you know, I occasionally judge my own. Um, so why I, do you think why do you think I judge my bald head? Because you feel about yours the same way I feel about mine. No, that's not why I judge my bald head. I don't care whether or not. I mean, 
you know, I can walk around like this. The reason I wear a hat is because I don't want to get sunburned because it's nasty. Yeah, sunburn on the head's no fun. But I know that you judge your hair. I know that you like um, your hair. You would like your hair to be thicker. You've always had judgments on people, you know, who have had thin hair. And so the moment my hair started to thin, I, 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 think I knew you were judging. Yeah, well, there's always like, I don't know. I guess it's, you know, always trying to feel like I have to measure up to something you know my hair has to be a certain thickness you know my, I have to be a certain shape yeah but when whatever. you do that you're telling everyone else they have to measure up too I get that <laughs> and, the, the, and, and, and where I where I'm, I'm finding the growth in it is is when I find when I see people you know and their bodies don't look like mine I don't think they should bodies should look like mine I like their bodies the way they look because it's just the way that they naturally look yeah, but it's shifting focus from not only do you not want them to look like you, I just don't want but, to look you at don't, me. <laughs> but you don't want them to um, be, or you want them to be your idea. You know, nonetheless, you still do have those judgments. You you say, oh, you're fine being who you are, but you could do this, yeah. but some you could people, do that. Some people you can tell that, okay, well, you're not living healthy. Yeah. You know, it's for whatever reason. But you can't look at me and tell me that. Um, no, not right now. You're not. I mean, you have too much sugar. <laughs> Way too much sugar. But outside of that, you generally eat okay. Yeah, I generally eat okay because I don't eat meat or dairy. You know, but nonetheless, I do consume too much sugar, and I shouldn't have as many fizzy drinks. And even though they're uh, sugar-free, that's still not good for me. Not to mention, I need to get more activity, which I've been talking about, and I've been getting more activity. So, you know, that's a bonus. But we all know when we have to experience personal growth, right? I mean, we all know we reach what we call a rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And I reached my rock bottom a few years ago. And that was with depression. And um, I know that you have reached your rock bottom before. Can you say that now that rock bottom is really far away? You know, like whenever you look at where you yeah. are right now, yeah, I can. do you see relapse anywhere in the near future? Not like that. I don't live the way that you live. And even as a life coach, I am very aware of where my rock bottom is. And sometimes my rock bottom is a lot closer than I want it to be. And then I start to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And then that uncomfortability brings on self-sabotage. Um, the moment I start to experience something too deep, I want to sabotage. And the way I sabotage is by overwork. So I distract myself with work. Um, and I allow, I allow it to consume me enough to where I don't sleep. And so that's a big sabotage because I'm not effective if I'm tired. Mm -hmm. How do you sabotage yourself? Gosh, no, um, there's you, there's you several ways. Yourself. Yeah, there's several ways. I'll, I'll check out, you know, or or something like that. I'll I'll um, look for a reason to just not be present, you know, and um, and I'll I'll move into something mindless and mundane, <laughs> so that way I can I can still function in the house uh -huh. and do something and not have to think about life. We call that look looking busy, right? Hurry up and look busy. Just yeah, a little bit of autopilot. And when I do that, it, you know, I fail to connect with anybody. Right. And when do you usually realize, when do you finally come out of it and you're like, oh my God. When the I'm whole day is gone and I'm like, well, I don't remember the day. How often and does I, that happen I know that I've, I've done a lot of things. Like I, you know, I'm washing dishes, I'm helping clean, I got the kids busy, they're doing stuff, I'm doing school, and you know, so I'm doing stuff. But it just, whenever at the end of the day, I'm like, what did I do today? Well, how often does that happen now compared to what it used to? Uh, I don't think it's near as much. I think that um, I still do it, but it's just I think it's when I'm when I'm having like a, a full loaded day, and I'm like, oh, I have so much that I got to get done today, and I just I kind of put the blinders on and I dig in. Have you started writing stuff down yet? Yes and no. Yes, I've started writing stuff down. No, I'm not consistent with it. One thing that writing stuff down does is it allows us to reflect and evaluate on what our efficiency actually is. Yeah. 
So if you're not seeing any effectiveness, you're going to have no motivation to be effective. So the longer you postpone writing stuff down and checking it off, the longer you're going to be less effective. Yeah. So you're prolonging your uncomfortable feeling by sabotaging, right? Yep. And that feeling is something that I hold on to because I feel like I deserve it. Yeah. And, and then you just shame yourself and blame and then nothing gets done. And then you add one more thing onto that. I do the same thing. You know, I sit here and shame and blame myself for overworking, but then I still don't stop. Yeah. You know, I, I don't say, okay, enough's enough. I say, all right, one more person. I can, I can take one more person today, or okay, I can do one more program. I can, but should I? And there was a, um, a meme, you know, of a very hairy guy that had uh, uh, his hair shaved like a bikini top. Mm-hmm. And it says, just because, like yeah, just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> it's right? a story. Right. So I, I, have, <laughs> yeah, I have to go through my day and, and say that to myself because sometimes I get lost in the clouds. Do you? Yeah. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. So just because you can do something by yourself does it mean that you should? Because no. here you are trying to work on your social social skills and verbal communication within social skills, right? So just because you can do something by yourself doesn't mean you should? Yeah, definitely not all the time. It means you definitely shouldn't. You should take absolutely 100% every opportunity to interact with whoever's in your space. And since your kids are in your space, that gives you the opportunity 100% of the time to interact with your kids. Uh, and I do. They Most come, parents don't have that privilege. Yeah. They come into my space a lot and, and talk and ask me questions and give me hugs and, and everything like that. So it's, it's always fun. They drive they always, me crazy when they come in here. They always bring me back. Yeah. But I, I adore the kids. and uh, But there is a definite time for the kids and there's a definite time for work. Mm-hmm. When they get carried away, I'm like, all right, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Work is work and play is play. But you also will sit and play video games with them. You'll watch, you know, TV with them. But you have to be aware that sometimes they need to be on your level, not mm-hmm. you on their level, because they need to grow and learn and change, right? So what are you doing with them lately to get them to become more independent? Uh, putting more responsibilities on their shoulders as far as, you know, around the house, you know, tear, like they did tear down last night after dinner and um and that's kind of a that's kind of a big chore there's a lot of steps it's not terribly complicated or difficult but there's a lot involved what age were you tearing down never i think i i yeah that makes sense to me because you're just now really learning the kitchen i would help clear the table and that was about it that's all ellen really asked of me was hey you want to clear the table and i didn't assume anything else but you understand like, all right that that's, that's all you why, want me to do but you understand that that's it's an alarm. Well, Sorry. I push it so hard for the for the kids, right? Oh, yeah. Is I push it so hard because I don't want them to be like you and get married <laughs> and do nothing for their spouse. Yes. Right? So if I was only doing for me. Right. So it's important that they know how to do those things. So if they're only allowed to clear the table and not experience what teardown is, they're probably not going to do it for themselves. Right. I made them watch um, Dirty rotten cleaners and if y'all haven't watched it oh my god i i can't remember but i think it's on is it on netflix hulu uh-huh. it's netflix hulu or or prime but on one of those it look it up dirty rotten cleaners and holy crap y'all i couldn't do it i couldn't do their jobs so i told the boys this i said if you do not learn now how to clean up after yourselves that is who you become as an adult that's what I told them, and they were all shocked and horrified and donated six bags of clothes. Yes. So that's yes. how I got them to donate all those clothes, by the way, because little Oliver wanted to keep every freaking shirt that he owns. Yeah, the van is really loaded down right now. We need to get that out. <laughs> yeah, well, the first person to go uh, past a clothing thing is going to donate because that's what we do. We... Well, where's the closest one? 
uh, in the parking lot of the the. Um, it's one of by Quiznos, right? Yep. Oh, that's another thing that we've got going on with the kids is that Quiznos closed, so Alex lost her job. That's shocking. Yeah, it's another one of the franchises around here that just you know went under. It's sad because I don't want to see our community disappearing, you know. And so we've had uh, Little Caesars close. We've had um, Pizza Hut close. We've had Quiznos close. What else is closed, do you um, know? I think the Nudge closed. That the coffee nudge. shop we used to have. Oh, yeah. Well, I we're about to get they a... just moved, though. Well, they, they moved to the square, and then I think they closed after that. Because um, we were going to go one time, but we ended up going to Michael's instead because the Nudge was closed. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and I, I wish it wasn't happening, and I hope that I don't have to close. I'm going to keep the faith that we'll drive on and um, see what we can do, you know, for our community. And uh, I hope to have a separate building and be able to run the gift shop out of it and get to meet more people in the community, participate a little bit more. I'm worried about COVID, I'm worried about the variants and all that stuff, and the kids going to school. I think everybody is. Are you? Yeah, I'm worried about it. I mean, one of our kids doesn't have the vaccine, so it's because he's too young. But you know, on the other side of the coin, some people are worried more about the vaccine than COVID. Yeah. And you know, it's their choice, whatever they want to do. The, I, had, I had a conversation this morning about that. The, I mean, people did the same thing back when it was the polio vaccine. Well, and, yeah, of course. And all that. So it's, it's no different. It's just people acting the same. Yeah. And you know, you've got to do what's right for you. And I don't have any judgments whether or not you're taking the vaccine or not, you know. But for me, I know what I'm going to do, what I need to do, and I hope that everybody stays safe. I want a funny story about you as a kid. Um, you'd have to ask somebody else that. <laughs> really? No. <coughs> you know you've got some funny stories as a kid. Um, as a kid... Oh, gosh. Um, we'll have to find a pocket of childhood I can remember. <laughs> um, okay, let's tell this funny story. So I took you to my old stomping grounds, to the plains of Texas, yeah. to Spearman, Texas, USA. And we weren't married yet. We were just dating. Mm -hmm. And it was my birthday time, and I was taking you past where I grew up where I lived and all this time I was telling you about how we had what we called the recycling truck that would come by and pick up dead animals and um, I don't know why we called it the recycling truck but we did so that's what we thought it was the recycling truck um, so I always talk to recycle those things yeah so I <laughs> always what? <laughs> I roadkill to, cafe to, to grain to, to feed for the other animals so oh. Um, I had always mentioned how there would be dead animals on the side of the road. And you had no real oh, concept. I remember what, that. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you had no real concept of what it was like until... <coughs> good grief. Sorry. Until I took you there. And no sooner did we get into town was there a cow sprawled out, actually a steer sprawled out, on the side of the road, as bloated as it could be. Yeah, looked like it was ready to pop. I think we're actually leaving town when we saw that, because we had to stop and take a picture of it. We'll oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chance. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we were leaving town. So leaving town, we saw this, what appeared to be oh, giant cow-shaped balloon. It looked like that. When it was alive, it probably weighed a ton. And so now that one was bloated on the side of the street, it looked like, like a cow balloon. <laughs> That's what I just did, yeah. And it was and just, it, like, if you got too close to it, that would be the time that it just went... Poof. And we looked at each other, and we both agreed that we wanted to poke it with a stick. <laughs> but we were both too scared at the same time. It was that moment where we knew we could, but should we, right? That was, like, the no, big thing. We knew we could. We could, but we definitely should not. <laughs> and we did not, just so you know. We no, did not. We took a picture and we left. <laughs> we did not tempt fate with that one. So that's another example of just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? True story. Um, I know that for me there's a lot of things that I can change. 
I could change, you know, my hair color. I could change, you know, even my eye color. I could wear contacts. I could change my outfit. I could change even how I spoke, right? I could pitch my voice. I could lower my voice. I could do all those things. But what tells us whether we should or not? Um, well, and, and things like that, I think it's a matter of comfortability, personal comfortability. So what tells us how to be comfortable? That's the big question is because you like red hair. What if I like brown hair, you know, and you say to me, you know what? I would like your hair better if it were red. And I look at you and I'm like, mm, but I like brown. Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, it's subjective. Nobody's right. right. Nobody's wrong. Right. There's not a right or wrong. So what tells you what's comfortable? I guess how we individually feel about it. So it's subjective. Comfort mm -hmm. is subjective, right? So then why, if comfort is subjective, then why does everybody go around trying to make other people comfortable? Because you're only making them comfortable at your level. Mm -hmm. So why do people have a concept that they can make someone else comfortable. Why do you assume that you can come in here and make me comfortable? If comfort is subjective. Because I know the things that you like that are comfortable. And that's called awareness, right? So because you're aware of what I find comfortable, you can then provide comfort. You remember what we talked about before? In order to be fulfilled, you have to become fulfillment. So in order for you to be comfortable, you have got to know the comfort of others. Right? Yes. Okay, so if you know what makes me comfortable, and I know what makes you comfortable, if we're not making each other comfortable, what does that mean? We're not aware of each other. We're not aware of each other. That means we're on autopilot. Mm -hmm. So what happens when we decide that we've been on autopilot? What do we usually do? We stop and we take stock of the moment. <laughs> we stop and you're like, I need a hug. Or no, I stop I need and to I'll... touch you. Yeah. <laughs> and you do. God, you're like the touchiest person ever. It's bizarre to me because I'm just not a, a touchy person. But... Um, I take that back. I'm a very touchy person. I just don't like to touch people. And I don't like people to touch me. So if you're allowed to touch me, um, you're privileged. Uh, at certain times, I, I can accept it, tolerate it more than others. Do you know what those times are? Can I tolerate it more when I'm stressed or when I'm relaxed? When you're relaxed. Yeah, because stress time is no get out of my bubble, right? Do you feel the same way when you're stressed, or is that when you yeah. want people? Um, there's a certain kind of, if if I'm stressed, you either need to leave me the heck alone, or you can hug me, and that's it. Don't, so, well, don't come in the, and, and, you know, roughhouse with me. But you understand <laughs> that that's totally black or white. So, mm -hmm. you, if you tell me that, how am I going to judge that? You're going to make sure that at any point in time, I'm uncertain. Because then I can't help you. Well, if you give me a hug, it takes me out of the moment. And it makes me present. But I don't like hugs when I'm stressed. So why then would I assume that you did, right? I would have to be aware. And you just told me that sometimes you like one and sometimes you like the other. Yeah. So what does that do for someone like me? The regular Joe like me, who's trying to make someone comfortable. If they don't know what makes them comfortable, how does that fare for us? Well, you don't really know what to do. So if you're too passive and you're like, oh, I don't really know about myself, then I'm probably not going to have interest because if you don't know about yourself, you don't have any interest in knowing about me. Right? Mm -hmm. So how do we pass that notion on to the kids? Because all of our kids are pretty aware until they need to be aware. Yeah. And then they're, nope, I can't hear you. I don't know. It's really tough to say for me because, I mean, they're already leaps and bounds ahead of where I was, you know, at their age. So it's like, the only thing I could do is, is help them to understand, you know, how to manage yourself, you know, daily. Well, what does that look like? How do you manage yourself daily? You manage yourself daily. 
Mm -hmm. I keep a schedule. Okay, so if a schedule is good for you, wouldn't you assume a schedule would be good for kids? Yeah, definitely think kids need a schedule or a routine <laughs> of some kind. Yeah, because 100%, that's how kids thrive. Mm -hmm. Do you understand why kids thrive when they have, uh, when they know what comes next? Because it's just, it's safe. It's not unpredictable. Because they don't feel like they can't perform. Mm -hmm. They feel safe and comfortable and can trust their environment. So they're more likely to try new things. You weren't. You were kind of coddled. And because you were coddled a little bit, you had a whole range of things that you didn't know how to do. Yeah. I had one parent that told me everything in the world was dangerous from the time I was barely able to understand anything. And then I had one parent that said, get out there and I'll see you later. And both of those parents said what they said based on their experience. And yeah. you heard what you wanted to hear based on your experience. Mm -hmm. So even if they had looked square at you and said exactly what I just said, you would have still heard, you need to get out on your own and do your own thing, which is the right thing. You know, you needed to get out and experience things, but you were pissed as hell because you were like, no, I don't. I don't need to do anything. You know, what did you think that you needed to do? Back then, like when I was a teen? Yeah. Well, it was, my goals were pretty simple. The only goal that I had until I left the house was to graduate. Then after that, it was, you know, go be in the Army. Do you see that if you had had a goal to do something after you graduated, the graduation would have come naturally as a step mm -hmm. and not as an actual goal? Yeah. We didn't do that for Quentin. So Quentin did not have that goal outside of graduating. So Quentin's been struggling to graduate. And that's a direct reflection on where he is. Right? Mm -hmm. So he needs to be able to look outside of right now and see the benefit in it. And, and he has goals. Like he, he was making a goal to go to Newmont College. You know, but next, guess what? He spring. didn't have anything written down for strategy. He had right. no idea what came next. He had no schedule and no routine whatsoever. So every single goal that he had was not supported. And because his goals weren't supported, then he failed. He failed his goals, right? And so now he has to make new goals and he has to be able to perform those before he can say, I'm adult enough to get out on my own. And that's, right. that's got to be a little bit of a blow, don't you think? Yeah. Because I mean, you were chomping at the bit to get the hell out of the house. He's a different kind of kid, though. Yeah. But you know what? The instinct is still there. He still wants to be independent and grow up, right? And so does Alex and Oliver and Alex Lucas. Alex goes out of her way to, to display. Yeah, she's she was ready to be on her own. She's, she's, she's ready to go. Yeah, she wasn't the firstborn. She wasn't coddled. Got stuff to do. Yeah. Quentin was coddled. He was kept away from a lot of dangerous things. Plus, they grew up in uh, military communities, and that makes a big difference. And that's a little bit why you were coddled, too, you know, because everything had to be a certain way for a certain amount of time. So it didn't matter who you were on the inside. You had to look like something else on the outside. And, you know, that's how they grew up. And so I imagine that's part of Quentin's problem, you know, that he was, he was always maintained. Yeah. And well, it's because, you know, we're like, well, he's going to need a little extra help, you know, so we gave him a little too much extra help, I guess. Yep, we maintain this comfortability that he has. So how do we then shift from maintaining a comfortable life to pushing growth when it's so uncomfortable? How do you push yourself to the limit and say, okay, this is far enough. I'm going to work with this versus I'm going to keep pushing until I break because a lot of people will push until they break Yeah, I think and, whenever, and then somebody some smart ass goes I told you you shouldn't have done that I think whenever I'm about to smash my face in the mirror it's, it's about the time I back off and I'm like alright I need to cool it a little bit I need to, to just evaluate what does that mean smash your face in the mirror when I'm getting too stressed out and I'm, I'm like I don't feel like I'm growing fast enough things still get to me and, you know, then I look at myself and it compounds that, you know, like, you're not working hard enough. You're not doing you this fast enough. You know what helps enough. ease that? 
if you write it down, <laughs> if you journal. I'm serious because no, I, said, I do it. I just yeah. I'm not consistent with it. Journaling is your history book. You know, think about it. Um, any history book that you've learned from, all of all of the that that's written in history book is written from somebody else's knowledge. You know, hmm. so it's not as if we were there with the dinosaurs. We have to piece together scientific knowledge to talk about it, right? Okay, so that's the history that we know, our account of that history. And if you look at history books, you see that it's usually cited on whose account that is, right? So make yourself a history book that says, you know what, I was okay today. Because being okay is fine. Yeah, being okay is, is what we strive to do. Yeah. We strive to be okay today and better tomorrow. Can we just be okay every day? If we're just okay every single day, that's maintaining comfortability, right? Right, that's not growth. Mm-mm. That leads to stagnation. You should be nervous. You should be excited. You should be experiencing a whole range of emotions every day. And if you're not experiencing a range of emotions, you can honestly say you're not living. You're stuck, right? Right. So you have to get perspective. So if you are sitting home listening to this or you're on the road listening to this and you're like, oh, yeah, I am bored most of the time, it just means you need some new perspective. So get some diversity. Read a new book or read a magazine. Or you know what? Do the opposite of what you would do. If you listen to country music, listen to rock or jazz or R&B. Do whatever it is that's going to make you feel uncomfortable for a moment and see if you can tolerate that uncomfortability. Right. What is the one thing you can't tolerate growing through? Right now, I think the only thing that I have trouble growing through that's like really, really difficult is um, if I get blown off by a loved one, that one kind of kind of gets under my skin because anybody can blow me off and I wouldn't really give a crap but when it's somebody that I deeply care about if something happens you know and they're like just too busy for me you know sometimes I, I tend to take that a little personal and that's and, where I'm checking myself and I'm going no you don't okay. need to take that personal and people you know got their what? own damn lives right. and, and I'm not the center of the fucking universe and just so you know that's where my paranoia comes from working too many hours because I don't want to be in the doghouse you know and that's the truth it's like I know that after a while your tolerance for my tomfoolery is gonna hit the the line. Well, yeah, I, you, I know what you're doing. Yeah, I can, but, I, can, I see what you're doing. But every day. So I never have a problem. But it doesn't make it any it's easier like, you know, when I look at you on Friday. Ago. But if I look at you on Friday night and it's approaching four o'clock and I'm like, I'm not getting off at four today. I'm gonna be late. You can't say that it doesn't affect you. You can't say, you know, well, it okay. does. It makes me do this. Yeah, right. And then and I go, okay, it's, it's time to, you know, what what does this mean really? What does it mean? Okay, so we're going to push everything back maybe an hour or two. Big deal. Yeah, but it's still that initial sting, right? Because yeah. you don't like to be blown off. And that is my job as your spouse to prioritize what's important to me Yeah, and it's easy. with the awareness of what's important to you. It's easy for me to... to uh, resolve that, you know, when I'm dealing with you, because I know what you're doing and I see what you're doing. You know, it's not like I come in here and you're, you're all like, you know, oh, well, I don't have time for you. I've got to play my video game. You know, sound familiar? Mm, yeah, you know? yeah. You used to do that. So I would tell you to pause it so we you, could have sex. If, if you did stuff like that to me, I would be, you know, very devastated because I know, like, would you really? Because though? that's that's a very sore subject for me because I recognize that was my old self. Ah. And so if you so became you, my old self, I'd be very upset. Okay, so you hit on something then. Do you think that that's just why you're so sensitive to it is because you regret being that person? Oh, absolutely. So how do you how do you um, work through that regret then? Um, what does that look like? Self-forgiveness, really. Yeah. Understanding that's who I was then, you know, and I lack the awareness that I have now. Yeah. You, and that's just simply it. Well, you look at the people that you know it's affected and you say, have you grown through this? Are we okay? You know, I can look at you and say, I've grown through it. I'm perfectly fine. 
there were times that I appreciated the fact that you weren't involved with me because then it meant that I had to answer to you. So, you know, at some points in our relationship, it was self-serving that you were so absent because as long as you weren't being mindful of me, I could do whatever I needed to do. And part of that was addiction. You know, part of that was as long as you were busy and you weren't thinking about me, you were in your video games, I could go over across the street to Kroger, or Food Line rather, buy a six pack of beer and set out in the van and drink a six pack of, six pack of beer and then drive back through the gate. Yeah, that was, you know, that was never about you. That was about me hating myself so much that I couldn't even be present. Yeah, but, you know, and it was never about you either. It was about me being an alcoholic. So you see, in that aspect, yes. Right, but but that's exactly like what I'm saying. Like the choice of what you went to go do. Yeah, you know, and and if you have the diverse opportunities to grow, then you won't get bored and you won't run to things like that to distract you. And that's like my dad; he's almost eighty, and and that's why he's had so many diverse opportunities because he's put his foot in every single. Um, mm you know, pool, mm -hmm. every single thing he wants to learn, you know, just because he likes that diversity. Yeah, he's always been a curious, likable kind of guy. Yeah. Always wanting to try to figure something out. And, you know, I'm sort of the same way. I have that wanderlust. I want to know how things work. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know everything there is to know while I'm here in this lifetime. So I love talking to people. I love listening to people. And I know that that is not something that you enjoy. You do not like listening to people because you don't like talking to people. And so sometimes you get impatient with me. And sometimes you get impatient with Dad. And um, I know that when you're getting impatient with me, it's just because you're thinking about something. Yeah, typically I'm thinking about time. Yeah. And there's a reason why the, you know, some of those aspects frustrate me. The same way they frustrate you sometimes. Yeah, but if I'm running short on time, I know that it's my job to make more time my, myself. I don't look at you and say, you know what, okay, I don't have time for you if you're talking to me. Everything else falls aside. That's the one thing that I can honestly say that I don't have trouble doing. That if somebody needs my attention and they look at me and they tell me that they need my attention and they're important to me, everything else falls away. Right. But just because it can doesn't always mean it should. That's true because there's times that, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to let it fall away. And then I'm like, y'all make your own dinner. Yeah. And there's sometimes, though, that if I let things fall away, it means, you know, my career. Mm -hmm. Just like you, you know, you couldn't let your career fall away. No. You were obligated, though. You had a signed contract. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting is I have a signed contract with every one of my clients. That's true. Yeah. And so that's what obligates me to them, to provide the best care that I can for them, right? But it also obligates them to me. Yeah. It means that they have to work for me. And they usually well, for do. for themselves. It just happens to also work for you. No, no, no. They have to work for me outside of working for themselves because the work that they do for me is totally outside of their comfort zone. They're not doing it for them. You know, at that point in time... Well, they just don't know it yet. Right, but that's the difference. That's what I'm saying. I want them to work for me so they can understand how to work for themselves. Right. You know, and that's what it takes initially. Just like you showing the kids, you're going to do this for me so you can do it for yourself later on. It's teaching them to fish. Right. Thank you for being on here today. Well, thank you for having me. I hope that everybody enjoyed hearing everything. <laughs> if they could hear anything, right? I've been watching my speech. Okay. I can see the little green line where it touches the yellow line. I'm good. So tell me a joke or a riddle. we got to end on something funny. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm not good at jokes or riddles. I'm terrible at it. You do one. No. <laughs> You can't be asking me that stuff like it's on put me on the spot and make me forget. What? Why are firings in Oh god. <laughs> okay. If you don't want to hear it, then you better come up. Oh, what more. was the one that Alex told the other day? I'll tell that one. It was funny. Oh yeah, it was because it was so stupid. Okay. Um how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? 
ten tickles. <laughs> that is really dumb. Ten tickles. Oh, all right. Thank you. I love you, and thank you to everybody that's listening. And you know, I haven't heard from Pooja in a while. Yeah. Um, I I haven't heard from Michelle Matthews in a while. I um, haven't heard from. Who else was I talking about the other Michelle day? Michelle comments on our stuff. Yeah, but I haven't heard from her the past couple podcasts. So, y'all better be listening and let us know that you're listening. That way we can give you props, right? Everybody loves props. I love you. Love you too. Thank you. Hello, my positively entertaining friends. I guess you're kind of wondering why I got a nose clothespin in my nose. And I am sitting on the toilet. Well, Brandel said that he needed more shitty videos. I guess this is what he meant. Me pinching off a loaf and giving a video. Well, here I am. Yeah, it kind of stinks in here. But anyway, how is everybody doing? It's been a very, very long, stressful week for regular Joe, but we're getting through it. Uh, my car has broken down. It is at Triford. Thank God for extended warranty. The only problem is, they cannot get parts for my vehicle till September 15th. And my daughter moves to college next week. So this is very interesting. But besides all that, we are hanging in here and we're doing the best we can. So I hope you all have a pleasant evening. And regular Joe will see you on the next podcast. Love you guys. Take care. Chat again. Damn it, sticks. This is Staple something. I'll be at Staples. Okay, for reals now.